welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Megan Vol. And I'm your host, Facundo. And we are here with Mel Paré. Thanks for being here, Mel. Hi, thank you so much for having me. No problem. And to start us off, um, do you want to tell us just briefly what you're doing and what your research is? Sure, yeah. So I am here. I'm a a master's student in the French department here at um, Western University. So I'm getting my Master of Arts. Um, and I'm primarily studying contemporary French literature and I'm studying autobiographies. So list life writing, essentially. Um, I, if I don't, if I trip up on the terms, it's because I know the terms in French. <laughs> and I'm like, oh wait, what am I studying? How do I explain this in English? Um, but yeah, and I really like learn, um, reading about people who are going through grief, um, mem- grief memoirs in particular, and I'm studying this one author who writes about how her writing about her grief has helped her um, heal from it. So writing as therapy, and that's what really interests me because I'm someone who has mental health issues, and um, I find that writing really helps me. So I think that's a really fascinating topic, and if it can be proven as a science, um, then that's really cool, I think. So, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's very interesting. Um, so just sort of like a background for me, I'm, I'm doing a master's in neuroscience and psychology. So when you uh, mentioned that, immediately what comes to my head is, you know, like what, what kind of, uh, what type of studying or like what, what kind of analyses are you doing on the uh, literature itself? Uh, just looking at the literature itself, are you looking at uh, how people, how people uh, react and adopt the literature? Are you looking at studies that have been conducted? Like, I'm just very curious about that. Well, what I'm studying primarily is how an author themselves is psychoanalyzing themselves when they are doing their writing. And that's how they are like um, essentially performing therapy on themselves through the writing process. So I'm looking at how the writer is implicated in that process. And I'm also looking at how the audience connects to it. I'm looking at both sides, but primarily what the author is doing for themselves and how the idea of publishing something about your own life can help you with those experiences. And at the same time, on the other side, everyone who reads about those stories helps it helps them. Like, for example, the author that I'm studying, she writes about how her writing helped her heal because she wrote a book, for example, that's called um, Comment j'ai vidé la maison de mes parents, which is how I emptied my parents' house when they died, essentially. And it's sort of written, the title is like a self-help book. It's like how to do this, right? It mm-hmm. sounds very like it's mimicking that, but not in a joking way because it really is how she did that. And she analyzes the verbs that she uses when she's talking about it, like talking about the word to empty. What does that mean? Um, so I'm looking at the words that are used and I'm uh, um, analyzing those to see how, what words come out, what sentiments come out when you're writing that couldn't happen in real life, that couldn't happen when you're talking with your friends. So that's really interesting. And I think we should be saying more like, bonjour, comment ça va? My French is not good. Um, oh, ça c'était très bien. <laughs> I understood très bien. That, that, that was about as far as my French goes. Thank you. But um, so you talk about this one author. So who is this author? And I guess how many texts are you looking at? Is it just this one text that you're doing? Um, her name is Lydia Flem. She's Belgian, um, and she's still alive. So, which I guess makes it contemporary literature. Found out that's part of the definition this year, part of grad school. <laughs> I was like, great. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, so um, she's she's great, and she m- mostly writes autobiographies, but she's also a psychoanalyst. Um, and 
so I'm just studying her works. She has written this um, trilogy familiale, so a family trilogy, okay. where it's three books. So one of them it's that book. The second one is about how she separated herself from her almost son, um, which I actually haven't read that one yet. That's the second book. And then the third one is just a, um, a an accumulation of all of her parents' letter, love letters because they were par they were in the Holocaust. Um, her family is Jewish, so all of their um, exchanges is the third part of the book, which is really cool. Um, so I'm analyzing that trilogy. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. That's that's very yeah, interesting. I, wow. Yeah. So I want to go back to what Facundo was talking about about how you do the research. Um, I am coming from a background in film, so in literary text, and I'm wondering. Um, when you analyze this trilogy, is it like doing discursive analysis where you're looking at, as you said, the words, the type of phrases, um, the connotations behind it? What is, I guess, the process that you're doing to come up with your analysis? Well, what is a little bit limiting about being a master's student, especially in this particular program, the master's in French used to be two years and now it's only one. Oh, you got so, changed. Yeah, so I'm doing this in like literally less than <laughs> 12 wow. months i um i have the summer to write at this the 40 to 60 page um they call yep. it a memoir not even a thesis because it's not a full it's a memoir now yeah it's memoir in french i don't know if that's oh, okay if that's the direct translation it's probably wrong um but yeah so i can't really do too much analysis outside of what is specifically just mm -hmm. what is on the page like i could go into her past and her life and what she said about her book and going all to these into all these other interpretations but for me it's really just about text analysis like just a classic text analysis okay what are the words like what's the champ lexical is what we call it in french okay. which i think is like a word pattern like um what if any words that evoke grief any words that evoke emotion um pile them up Wh how what pronouns are used are we um addressing somebody which in hers okay. it's kind of like a letter addressed to her parents so mm -hmm. she talks to them in it what effect does that have um literally just looking at metaphors and all that stuff so mm -hmm. it's it may sound sometimes basic but it brings out really what is the essence of the text you know so um yeah wow and i'm, I'm kind of curious so uh when you're going through like her work let's say and you're analyzing these words are there um just i guess more broad literature that or, or i guess strong literature that um, talks about these words as a whole like when you're going through her work and let's say you talked about uh, I forget the word you mentioned it was maybe uh, a word related to loss um, grief grief right um, is there sort of like um, an other uh, book or a piece of work that you can go to to say okay how, how do I analyze this word uh, what does this word actually mean like going deeper into the words like w what is your process behind that if that makes any sense no that makes sense like okay. there's got to be a theory behind it right um, it's that's still a, that's the part I'm still working on and that's the part I'm trying to build my like with in terms of my like bibliography and that's the part that when I say that the master's program has been limited um, that's the part I haven't gotten to yet and I haven't had the time because mm -hmm. it's been these two semesters are by seminars and this semester it happened to have more seminars than the last but then I also had to submit my plan and all of that yep. stuff at the same time yep. and I'm like oh yeah I totally know what I'm gonna write about but I also don't you know yes, <laughs> yes. 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 I relate so, <laughs> so 
so yeah, I'm like, that's the part that I have to fill, the gap that I have to fill in, because I know what I want it to look like, but I definitely need some solid research to back it up. And I've read a couple of articles, but I don't really know enough to elaborate yeah. yet. And which, one yeah. year feels like such a crunch, too. Like. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and lack of literature can be a huge challenge, mm-hmm. like huge no, especially since this is a topic that's relatively new. I know it's a really big trend right now, like mental health studies, <laughs> yeah. but it's still new in terms of concrete research and evidence on techniques to um, help um, work through that and adapt to having these, um, like, just, like, particularities in your life. So, so yeah. W- would you say that gives more room for your own interpretations? Yeah. I think so. And I think that it helps that I'm a little bit pulling from my own experience. And I think that um, it's funny because it seems like something at the beginning of my studies, I would think, oh, that's so not academic and not professional to talk about your own experiences. And I'm like, oh, that's literally all of the research that we're pulling from is people's own experiences, especially philosophers and all of that. Like what? There's no research. It's just them being like, oh. I felt this, <laughs> like you know. Yeah. So exactly. it's like uh, what I'm experiencing is valid as well. So 100%. I think that that's going to contribute to the research too. For sure. Well, it actually sounds like you're talking about an ethnography because that is very much my own personal experience is is valid and has um, applicable research applications in your project. Mm-hmm. And for me, I definitely relate to having a topic in your master's. Mine was the same. Year length it was one and a half years I think yeah and the crunch involved with getting the proposal done um and the I think whole document had to be done in like four months or something it yeah. was nuts mm-hmm. so and we're talking about theoretical framework and I know that's one of the hardest parts about developing a project and instead of asking you what your theoretical framework is because as you said there's not a lot around that that you've been able to find what have been some challenges in the literature that you've noticed to finding or developing this theoretical framework well, one of the challenges is definitely the language. Mm-hmm. French, the literature, it narrows a lot down, down a lot when you switch into a different language. Um, it's definitely, it's strange because I feel like the research databases, the titles never, ever match up with what you're actually looking for. <laughs> That's my, my second challenge. <laughs> I'm just like, it says like, um, I don't know, like society and enlightenment. And then it's actually about like, I don't know, like the politics during the time and it's just like wait what are you talking about yeah that's what I've found has been difficult but yeah nothing else really again I feel like I still have so much research to do (laughs) no that's totally fair um but I think that's a good segue to one of the questions I initially had um that's also because I I work in in a research project and we have a French correspondent side I'm not going to get into that, but one of the things they mentioned as a difficulty is search terms and the difference between English uh, search terms and French search terms, for example. I can only imagine what that would be like, I guess, in French literature when you're translating it back into English, maybe. Can you speak about that? Like, what were the difficult? Are there any difficulties? What are the differences, I guess? Um... I also don't speak two languages, so I feel like that happen, That also comes into play. <laughs> oh, it happens a lot. And for me, it's more of a difficulty of when I translate things into French because although um, it is, mm, it's difficult on both ends, but for me in class, the difficulties that I find pointed out are the ones where I 
in my English brain, translate something into French, but don't take into consideration a different definition that it mm -hmm. might have. Like I, when we talk about in English about just like an academic space, mm -hmm. um, that's very general. But like in French, when you say the word academic, it's like it's very particular. And I didn't realize that. Or like classic mm -hmm. difference between classic and classical. There, it's there's two words, but in French, it's just like. Classique, and that means a very specific thing. It really means like the classics, like ancient Greece mm -hmm. and Rome and all of that. And I'm not even still, that confuses me sometimes. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it's fair. so I'll say that and I'm like, oh, I'll do a classic, you know, text explanation, like text analysis with like, you know, metaphors mm -hmm. and text terms or whatever. I'll say that in French and they're like, that's not classic, you know, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. you know what I meant though like but I understand and I'm learning but at the, but it's, it definitely makes you feel a little bit like an imposter when you're in a yeah. program that is not you know, in theory it was my first language my parents like taught me French when I was born they're from Quebec but I kind of learned English and French at the same time dropped out of speaking French because I grew up in Ontario and then I've been doing it a lot more here um, and it's gotten a lot better like my family members are like wow you speak a lot better French than you did like a couple years ago and I'm like that's great but um, when you're in the academic space it's just like oh wow you feel so like knocked down when you mess up and, and you're like a grad student studying and publishing in this language mm -hmm. and you make mistakes when you're speaking out loud sometimes you know um, and it's easier on paper, especially when you've learned the grammar. You know, yeah. in English grammar, you don't can't even explain it because you just know it sometimes, yeah. you know, if, if it's your first language. But, yeah, when it's not, it's like you have to, have to learn the terms. I write well in French, but sometimes, you know, you trip up in English, too. But it's even more embarrassing when you're doing it in school, you know. <laughs> I, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Should we um, transition to your other interest of visual arts or it's it's up to you i, I don't know what oh totally because i would I, I have a few questions about that and i was very interested absolutely i mean well unfortunately this past week i just found out that i actually didn't get in oh i'm <laughs> so, so sorry it's all good you know sorry and i actually was kind of expecting to talk about it and kind of wanted to a little bit because i don't think it's something to really be ashamed of and i feel like people don't really talk about that sometimes because yeah. they don't want to talk about how they didn't get in but it's like yeah uh it's honestly one of the like this is silly but one of the first times where I've really been said told like no and I like there's I didn't have another option and yeah. and I'm like oh wow I don't know what I'm gonna do next year now because now I'll be done in August because this is just a one-year program and then I'm just out in the real, real world like I didn't apply to other programs and maybe that was silly of me but honestly I was just like excited to do something different and step into a different direction I just realized that I didn't love reading as much as I thought I did and I miss <laughs> doing art and I wouldn't have thought of that if I hadn't applied you know yeah and yeah. now just because I didn't get in that's okay I still have this like I still feel the same way I still feel like this is the right path so I'm just taking it as okay everything happens for a reason mm -hmm. I think school has been such a comfort zone for me for a long time yeah I love school, that like promise of progressing, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah. no matter what, you're still doing something productive. Um, the internalized capitalism is real. Like if, I f <laughs> if I'm not producing something, I'm like, I'm worthless, you know, <laughs> like so. And I, that's how I felt my year off. And that's why I came back for my master's. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, OK, maybe the world is like, y you've been in school enough. You have the skills. Just go and do it, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I don't know. I feel like maybe I'm ready. Like, 
and yeah I just I love to paint I love to do printmaking I love to crochet I make a lot of clothes like <laughs> and people tell me like you should sell it and I've been just like oh you should sell it Try that's it. what I'm Why gonna not? do no exactly I'm like you know what this is a sign like <laughs> I just gotta go do that <laughs> so you, yeah have you thought of a brand name any any store name well me and um my girl Kohali she's here from France for the year She's here today, queen. (laughs) (laughs) She's nodding in the corner. Yes. Um, We've been chatting about it a little bit, and I think I'm going to call it, since I'm French, I'm going for, um, the word for honey in French is miel, so M-I-E-L. So I could do M dot I dot E-L. So it's like mel, but miel. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be kind of cute. I'm really, like, very, I love nature. I love a chill lifestyle. Um, Like, I just did a flash like a t- t- tattoo flash sheet. I also want to be a tattoo artist, oh, I wow. think. <laughs> That's the like main goal. Um, I just did a flash sheet of this like mushroom girl wearing overalls that have like flower patterns all over it and um, like some a moth and like all this stuff. And yeah, I'm really excited about those projects. So I'm like, I think I'm ready to dive into it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I found I found really interesting what you said about uh, internalized capitalism there. I, <laughs> I can uh, kind of relate to that, too, especially because after my undergrad, um, I did a bit of traveling. Like I went to Asia and uh, a bit of South America as well. And I, I kind of realized that, like, I don't know, that it, it seems like a lot more slow over there and a lot more like um, they cater to the things you were just talking about, like building your own brand, your own ideas instead of just having to constantly be productive. So. That, that, that definitely resonated with me a bit and I, I feel like that's uh yeah for sure like um a, a, a good perspective to at least acknowledge um but yeah I uh I also I also wanted to ask you about your your uh tattoos because I have been thinking about getting a tattoo um I I don't know I'm like so scared to get the first one but like I know once I get the first one then I can just I don't know there's like relief and like how, how, how do you deal with that like stigma or did you have that stigma of like the first tattoo being like sort of like scarier than the other ones or? Oh, you're totally right about that I, right? I, like, I had that same problem I was like I know I really want tattoos I just don't know what and I'm yeah. scared like what if I do regret it you know mm-hmm. but then I had this friend who told me you know if you have an idea print out a picture of it or you know figure out some way to draw it put as many copies of you can as you can of it around your apartment Mm -hmm. and if after eight months or so you're not sick of looking Mm -hmm. at it you're probably not sick of it you wouldn't be sick of it being on your body for the rest of your life that's a really good idea and what happened with me is I came up with an idea it clicked and I knew it it was a song lyric my first tattoo and I thought yeah this I'm never going to regret and I got it done and then yeah after that I was like okay I'm ready (laughs) (laughs) draw on me (laughs) yes so yeah now I've got a bunch Um, my most recent ones are this girl right here oh that's beautiful yeah that's nature girly she's by um, her Instagram is no pants Friday Um, she's amazing (laughs) Um, yeah and this is just I think it's just kind of me like how I would like to be anyway just always in like down to earth Mm -hmm. that's that's how I try to be as much as possible my like mission in life I always say is to like make people feel as beautiful as I can because I feel like people don't think of themselves very highly Mm -hmm. is you know you always tell your friends like oh my gosh you're so amazing at this this and this but if you ask them to say three things they're amazing at they can't come up with it you know 
it's like why why don't we think of ourselves as amazing if we're constantly hyping up our friends you know yeah that's amazing um, yeah. and then yeah i also got one recently this one right here oh i love that one yeah that I, one's my favorite my sisters and i have all each have a tattoo right here and we drew them ourselves um and yeah so i'm the sun and the two birds are my sisters mm -hmm. and then they have like different nature scenes with like my sister has a mountain with two stars bianca has a field with two flowers so Wow. Yeah, that also is a trick <laughs> to do something family-wise because you can never regret that, for right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, for sure. Um, that's yeah. that's beautiful. If you don't mind me asking and slightly returning back to your research because I found I find it really interesting. Um, does your um, did you choose that topic maybe because of your um, love for certain visual arts and very clearly like um, an artistic type of um, mindset? Um, did, did that come into play in your choice of master's topic or is it totally unrelated or? I think in a way, I think so. Because mm -hmm. I feel like writing about yourself is, mm -hmm. A, is one way to be creative and to, is an outlet mm -hmm. for yourself. For me, it's more so art. I do journal as well. Yeah. And I find those two things really helpful. So, um, and actually incidentally, the, the author that I'm researching, she is a photographer and she, oh, really? she recently had a battle with cancer and she couldn't really move much. So she couldn't write, mm -hmm. but she could take photos. So she would take photographs of the things around her and she published this whole thing about it. Um, and yeah, so she found another uh, outlet, which happened to be art, which mm. I probably will also try to research a little bit. But again, 40 to 60 pages. I don't know. <laughs> you can do it. You yeah. can do it. No, no, no. I, I think I think if you love the topic and you really seem to love this author, right, mm -hmm. you can definitely consolidate it into 40 to 60 pages. Um, yeah. I, I was going to ask, like, was this a contemporary author? It's very clear that it is. Um, and you did mention that she her parents were went through the holocaust um yeah will that be coming into play into your oh man i hope so but again <laughs> like i have this problem where i definitely put way too much on my plate when i'm <laughs> and my one of my professors actually just she just was telling me she's like you just go way too far like you can't you can't say that you're going to explain the transition from the 17th to the 18th century melanie like you can't <laughs> and i'm like but i can but i want to like <laughs> so so I'd love to. I'll definitely read about it. Mm -hmm. That's what's great is that even if I don't have to write about it, I can still read about it for sure. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to read for fun again, like I used to. Like it turned like into such an, a work thing when I went into university, yep. you know. And I'm like, I used to read for fun. So, what's great about picking someone who is contemporary because I like contemporary writing a lot more. The style, the the shortness of the books, honestly, <laughs> they get to the point. Yep. Um. Um. That means, like, even if I don't want to keep studying it, I can still keep reading it because I think that she's really, like, a really powerful author. So, so yeah. Um, if Facundo doesn't mind me asking one more question sure, related, I yeah, don't yeah. mean to take it away from no, him. No, no. Um, I guess you talk about her being very powerful to you, and it's very clear when you talk about it, um, when you talk about the this author. I forget her name. I Lydia Flem. Lydia Flem. Yeah. yeah. When you talk about her, you seem very passionate. You you talk about her and you say she's very powerful. Why do you think she's very powerful? Like what, I guess, draws you to her work, her words? Um, I think there's something about talking about taboo topics, talking about difficult emotions that I find really um, fascinating. I find it um, 
yeah, I just find that so prof- find it so profound. I find it bold because yeah, I don't think that these are things that are talked about very often. I kind of find myself to be someone who talks about taboo topics and mm-hmm. when that shocks people, um, I don't really love that. I would like it to become more normal, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And to talk about these things because it helps a lot. Um, and she's not afraid to talk about the difficult topics and to use the words as opposed to dancing around it. Okay. Um, so that's why I think she really, um, she really like hits the nail on the head, you know? And it's strange how universal these things are that again, we don't never talk about, you know? Right. And even if I haven't experienced the loss of my parents yet, um, I know it is coming and I can even already relate to what she's feeling. Cause I know the idea of what loss is mm-hmm. as well, you know? And, um, it's amazing that she's brave enough to share that part of her life with everyone in order for other people to, um, to almost prepare and to feel like, okay, someone else has done this. They've gotten through it. Mm -hmm. Um, I can do it too, you know? Um, Even if it, when she's describing it, it's not like she's saying, oh, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. You know, she's saying I'm not fine, but that's great, you know? And that's much more relatable, I think, than saying, okay, um, this is how to do it. This is how to succeed. No, I think she's more saying this is just how I did it, you know? Yeah, no, you talk about her like a... I guess an aid for certain mental health topics, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. I just really love the way you talk about her. It's just it's really full of passion and really um, a genuine enjoyment of of her work and a need to get that out there. So that's why I think your your memoir, um, which it's it's going to be something really special because you you've got that it factor. And I was gonna and I'm going to say if you ever you know are stuck when you're writing in the future in doing this come back and listen to this episode because the way you talk about her and the things you're saying and how you explain her to us is really poignant for an analysis and just generally why it's important work to bring to the scholarly field oh thank you so much for saying that i really appreciate it um yeah so just we're just about out of time with that um Thank you so much for coming on, Mel. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, thanks so much for having me. This has been really fun. I, yeah. We've been really happy to have you. Um, did you want to shout out that business idea one more time, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> um, just, I, know you, I know you said you had no social media you wanted to shout out, but just in case, did you want to? <laughs> Well, I guess keep keep an eye out because there might be Miel coming <laughs> to yeah. you. I'm uh, my p- potentially crochet tattoo account that I would need to make up so that'd be M-I-E-L I guess well, well yeah we'll see <laughs> you know what we'll tell people to keep a lookout yeah for and I really hope your writing goes well with your masters again really interesting work thank you so much um so with that this has been GradCast the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University I've been your host Megan Vol, and my co-host was Facundo Lodel We've been speaking with Mel Paré, and this episode was produced by Jordan Vanderberg. Uh, if you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcast at sogs.ca. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. And to listen to us, we are on Radio Western at 94.9 FM. You can also find all of our episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye.